A star-spanning saga of ancient magic and deep science, vividly told by a modern master, says Dave Gibbons. Kelly Sue DeConnick states, the kind of epic you crave, both noun and adjective. And that doesn't even quite capture Liam Sharp's astonishing scope and vision. There's magic in these pages. Matt Fraction calls it jaw-dropping and epic and massive. He also says this is a gorgeous and incredible and massive swing for the stars that declares his ambitions have taken him to some exciting and undiscovered territories. Bravo, congrats, cheers, and exhale. This is glorious. What are they all talking about? Liam Sharp's upcoming six-issue series, Starhenge, from Image Comics. Liam himself says of the series, I wanted to do my own Image comic for 30 years. I wanted to do a Merlin comic for even longer than that. This is a culmination of so many dreams and ambitions of mine finally being realized, and that makes it the most exciting and personal comic project I've ever done. I can't wait to see it on the shelves. It's also been described as a mashup of the Green Knight and Terminator with all the Arthurian legends, time travel, and killer robots that entails, plus Merlin, Magic, and Mayhem. The first issue debuts in comic shops on July 6th, with final order cut off on June 13th. So now's the time to tell your retailers to order you a copy. Welcome to another episode of Comic Source. I'm your host, Jace. And this is Jake. And this is your new Comics Wednesday episode for, yeah, what? it's June 29th, 2022. Wow. Year's <laughs> half over. Comic-Con's three weeks away. Less, well, yeah, right about three weeks away. Busy, busy. I will remind everybody, as always, if you're looking for the DC stuff, spoilers abound in our DC spotlights that come out on Tuesdays. Uh, Jay and I are going to talk about the other titles some independent some marvel and we will try to keep it as spoiler free as possible as we try to do uh, but we'll talk about 14 books and then we'll give a rundown on some other titles you might want to be on the lookout for so decent week um not a huge week which is welcome because jay and i were talking about it before we started recording uh Next week, yeah, watch your wallets. Because <laughs> holy moly, there's a ton of books. So uh, let's kick it off with a book that you and I have both really been digging. Uh, and the latest issues, no exception. Uh, it's Righteous Thirst for Vengeance. Uh, we are up to issue number nine, which here's the thing about this book, right? Like there's very little words, and this is kind of reverting back to that. We've had some issues recently with a lot more dialogue. This one's back to very little words. The artist, Andrea Limo Arojo. I always feel like I'm getting that. I'm pronouncing his name wrong. I know I am. I apologize. He's always so nice on Twitter too. Um, always likes and retweets our uh, reviews. Uh, Rick Remender's the writer, Chris O'Halloran on colors. But uh, Andre does a lot of the heavy lifting again in this issue. And uh, it's just fantastic. But I... I meant to go back and look at issue number eight because here, again, here's the thing, the point I was going to make is that, um, you know, it's a book that doesn't have a lot of scripting, doesn't have a lot of dialogue. We're only on issue nine, but it already feels like it's this huge story. Uh, you know, we've moved from the city to this like compound in the woods to now we're in uh, another country, uh, another locale. Don't want to spoil it. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's just really impressive work. But I wanted to go back and look at the previous issue because, you know, we saw that the boy that he had rescued, um, you know, in trying and failing to rescue the boy's mother was was poisoned. And that, that was two issues ago, right? And then last issue, he went and rescued him. But there, it feels like right. there's a bit of a time jump, right? Like, I read it too because I thought I was missing something. I was like, what did I went miss? back, yeah. So you did get a chance to go back and look at the Yeah, okay. yeah it's like, it's a, just a jump in there. Yeah, ha, remind me how the last issue ends. He just, he goes and rescues him because I remember he did something real bad to the guy 
gave him right. kind of a taste of his own medicine. And that was the way it ended. He just there with the boy and he's picking him up and that was it. Picking like, him up. Yeah. Uh, okay. that, you're like, that's right. it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So what'd you think about the, yeah, this was kind of a return to them kind of on the road, but it had, a, as always, it had a cliffhanger ending. Oh yeah. Um, well, like I said, it's one of our favorite books. Like I said, the artwork is amazing. The storytelling is just like, wow. Okay. But this one, I guess we have Sonny and Xavier, the little boy, I guess, um, trying to start a new life in a different location. Um, the location has actually pretty been there before. So I was like, hey, I know where that's at. So it's kind of nice. It's peaceful there. Um, I guess he's just trying to connect with the kid, trying to get him uh, to enjoy life. Uh, we know that uh, Sonny is going through some uh, personal issues. No, I'm not going to give that away, but he's got some, but he's keeping it to himself. Uh, everything seems to be going hunky-dory until like the very end. I mean, the book goes fast, you know, because it's pretty much seeing their day in life in this new uh, world they're in. Uh, but the end is a cliffhanger. And the only question I would had was how did that person find them when they don't have the skill set to do that? So it's like, okay, so now we're, I guess we're going to lead to something else with that. Yeah. But again, it's so, I mean, with little to no dialogue, these storytellers, these creators, Remender and uh, Andre, they do such a fantastic job of evoking emotion. Like you can totally almost smell the locale of where they are and feel, you know, the sun on your skin and hear the sound, you know, like it's a place I've been, you know, as well. And even if you haven't been, you know, exactly um, to that type of place in, in the same country there, and you've been to that, most people have been to that type of place. So you, you, you know, you're familiar with the smells and the sights and the sound, you know, like, like when they were in the forest, you know, you, you know what a forest smells like. So, uh, this art is so incredible and the color work by Chris O'Halloran. So brings it to the, the line work to life so vibrantly that you can really kind of put yourself in their shoes. And um, it's, it's just fantastic work. It really, really is. So highly recommended. Uh, first book I'm going to talk about is Wolverine Patch. It's issue number three. It's written by Larry Hama. Andrea DeVito is the penciler. Lebo Underwood on inks. Sebastian Chang on colors. Clayton Cal on letters. We finally get, we finally get uh, a note. I don't remember seeing this note previously, but we get a note inside the front cover that says this adventure takes place before Wolverine number thirty one. So we know where it fits in in Wolverine's timeline. So I did appreciate that. Uh, obviously, you know, Madripoor and it's a it's a whole big conspiracy. Shield is there. There's a couple of Russian mutants who were experimented on and had a kid, and then their kid and themselves were. Uh, being held behind the Iron Curtain, being uh, manipulated and taken advantage of and exploited. So they managed to escape and, and they got shot down in Madripoor. So you have all these different factions that are trying to hunt them down. So the Russians have offered a bounty for them. And there's plenty of criminal elements um, and uh, corrupt um, military, as well as, the, you know, kind of the, the crime Lord gangs or what have you of Madripoor looking for them to collect the bounty. You have the corrupt military of Madripoor looking for them. And then you have the Russian military themselves and shield is up above Madripoor and their helicarrier um, trying to sort it all out. So drop Wolverine in the middle of all this. And it's a typical Wolverine jungle Madripoor adventure. So this isn't, um, you know, breaking any new ground. It, it, you know, isn't super fresh, but it is familiar and it is fun, and it is Wolverine outnumbered doing what he does best. So, uh, you know, Larry Hama, veteran comic creator, uh, DeVito's pencils do a good job of uh, both feeling modern, but also kind of hearkening back to that style. I mean, it's for me, it's just great to see, like, Nick Fury, like the, the older Nick Fury, you know, not the Samuel Jackson clone or what have you, but... The, uh, the regular Nick Fury with all his hair, with the eye patch, uh, you know, chewing on the cigar or whatnot. Actually, I don't think he has a cigar. I don't think Marvel, you know, they're owned by Disney now. So Wolverine <laughs> doesn't get to smoke cigars anymore either. But they, that's the only thing missing. Otherwise, it feels very much of that era. So it's a good series. If you're a Wolverine fan, if you're a fan of Larry Hama's work, I would suggest checking it out. Uh, okay, up next for Jay, we have uh, the first issue of a new <laughs> series. Uh, I know he was a big fan of Jed McKay's Black Cat series. I came to it later, 
but also became a huge fan of Jed McKay's Black Cat. I never really liked Black Cat before. I was kind of like, eh, seems like an afterthought character. But there's a, there's an essay in the back from the editor, and she mentions what a great job Jed has done with kind of fleshing out Felicia Hardy and turning her into a, a new character. So even though the Black Cat series ended, now we've got the Iron Cat series. And we know previously in an issue of Black Cat, Jed McKay had um, Felicia Hardy break into Tony Stark's uh, one of his buildings, one of his uh, warehouses or what have you, and used his technology to build herself uh, a suit of armor. Now that suit of armor has been stolen and that's where this issue picks up. Um, and that's about as spoilery as we'll, as we'll get. But uh, what were your thoughts on this, Jay? <laughs> well, oh, wait, uh, uh, real quick before I, I should give the full creative team. So yeah, Jed McKay is the writer. Uh, Pere Perez is the artist. Frank Diarmada on colors. Ariana Mare on letters. And the Perez art, man, so, so good. So anyway, what were your thoughts? I was going to say, I was looking forward to this one because I like uh, Jed McKay and I like the uh, artist. I was like, oh, this is going to be pretty good, you know, something different. But uh, I just think it's kind of fun how they brought back the suit. And, you know, um, I like it because we get more story of Felicia. Um, she's doing her thing, you know, stealing. But she has like, like a flashback of, you know, uh, her previous adventures with uh, other characters, you know, that uh, she's, uh, I guess, when she was younger. Which I like because she has Fox and uh, Black Fox and uh, her friend Tamara. They all work together. So she has a flashback as she's being chased down by this person in, a new iron, in the iron suit. And then she calls herself uh, Iron Cat. And you tell it's a female because the figure, I mean, if there's no spoiler there, you can tell. <laughs> but uh, it's fun because then, uh, you know, she's being also uh, harassed by Tony for, you know, hey, why'd you take my, my stuff? And he's, she's like, I didn't take the stuff. So it's a big uh, uh, chase and scene in this comic. It's fun. Uh, like I said, the, the flashback is probably the coolest part of the story. Again, the artwork is amazing. The Annie's funny because um, she kind of has to go drag herself to go see uh, Tony. And they just have a connection. And he says, okay, you can come in. We, we got something going here. And that was like the funniest part. But uh, we'll see what goes next. But um, it should be pretty um, interesting with the character that has a suit because, you know, they're, uh, they got a good reason why they need the suit, I guess you can say. Yeah, um, I'm glad that Jed didn't stretch it out, drag it out. Oh, the mystery of who's who's in the suit. Like we know who's in the suit. It gets revealed. It makes sense. And, um, you know, wh where it goes from here, I guess we'll see. Like, I, I didn't know if this was a one shot. I, I, I just sort of assumed that um, Felicia was going to be in the suit. And it turns out, no. Uh, I know some people that were big fans of Christopher Campbell's Iron Man. It's like, we already have a a cat character in Iron Man with Patsy Walker Hellcat. Like, why are we bringing Black Cat in? Um, so I, I, I do sort of get that, uh, especially since, you know, what Cantwell's been doing. I mean, <laughs> Tony Stark proposed to Patsy Walker. So, you know, there may be a wedding on the horizon. So why, you know, why is he getting mixed up with Felicia Hardy? But, you know, these are seeds that Jed uh, McKay planted a long time ago. So I'm fine with it. And yeah, the, uh, the Pere Perez art is so fantastic. It's like, man, I, I want this book to exist. It's so fun. It, I enjoyed it way more than I thought I was going to. I love the twist of yeah, it not being Felicia, but being someone else. I liked it. Oh, yeah. It should be a five-issue miniseries. That's what it is, too, by the way. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, okay, up next, I have Avengers number 57. Don't have a heck of a lot to say about this. It's written by Jason Aaron. The line work by Javier Garon is fantastic. Gorgeous, gorgeous artwork. Um, the colors are by David Curiel, letters by Corey Petit. So this is actually a story of the Soldier Supreme. Uh, so History's Mightiest Heroes Part 1, Soldier Supreme, stalked by the Soul Sniper. Now, if you don't know who the Soldier Supreme is, you're not necessarily um, in bad company. I wasn't 100% sure either. And then I remembered, oh, remember when Jerry Dugan did that Infinity War story a few years ago and uh, Gamora had the reality gem and she, she mashed up all these different realities together. And you got what Marvel called the infinity warps, which was just the stupidest name ever for these characters that were mashups of, of other characters. Right. So you want to know who the soldier Supreme is it's sort of a mashup between the super soldier who you would think of as captain America and Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme. So you end up with this uh, Soldier Supreme, but it's not Steve Rogers. 
it's sort of it's sort of Steve Rogers. He sort of acts like Steve Rogers, sort of looks like Steve Rogers, but his name's Sebastian. So I get some Bucky vibes, and maybe that's just me because you know MCU Sebastian Stan plays Bucky. Um, but his name's Sebastian Zardos, and he's he's got the eye of uh, Agamotto. And so he and the ancient one has sort of trained him, but sort of not really. And he he has like this living weapon gun thing, and he's teamed up with a, a mashup of some other characters like Ghost Riders mashed up with somebody that he's teamed up with. Blade isn't matched up with anybody. He's just still Blade. And then you've got War Thing, which is kind of this man thing mashup. So th- they're out there. They're in World War II. They're fighting. Um, and that's that's basically the whole story. Um it's it focuses on just this Sebastian Zardos and uh, his battle in World War II against some Nazis, and then the other characters all show up at the end after the fight's already over. So, I mean, I can't imagine that fan, people who are hardcore Avenger fans are going to really like this. Like, man, I'm buying, I'm paying four dollars, five dollars for an Avengers book, and I I'm getting this Soldier Supreme guy who he's not a member of the like. I get it. Jason Aaron's playing with the, the multiverse. I mean, Marvel's really leaning into it. We're going to talk about uh, another title later on that's leaning into this idea of these of the Marvel multiverse, which remember the Marvel zombies used to always make fun of DC. Oh, DC, it's so bad. They have to have multiple universes, same, you know, same characters just to tell good stories. Now, Marvel, all of a sudden, they're celebrating it like they reinvented the wheel. But we had uh, the Miles Morales, right? It's not over yet. What if Miles Morales, where he's, He's Hulk, he's Thor, he's Captain America. Um, he's, I think that's it, right? Those three and then the regular Miles. Uh, and then we got the, the, the Gwen-verse where she's Thor, she's Captain America. Like, you know, are you getting sensing the theme here? And now we've got this one, you know, we've got the Avengers going around uh, along in Avengers, traveling all over the place, multiversal universes of uh, uh, Masters of Evil. And then you got Jason Aaron in his Avengers Forever jumping around. It's like, it's almost too much jumping around with variants. And and the reason I say that is because it's not, there's, it doesn't feel like there's any structure to it. You know what I mean? Like they just pop up wherever. I mean, at least the limited series, you know what you're in for, but to put it in a regular Avengers title, I just, I don't know if it's working for me, you know? I mean, I, I haven't read a ton of Jason Aaron stuff, you know, in the interest of full disclosure. I know there's a lot of people that loved his Thor run. I'm not a Thor guy, so I never really read it. So, so I don't know how I feel about this. And again, I'm not the biggest Avengers guy in the world, but I mean, from one issue to the next, you never know what you're going to get in the Avengers book or the Avengers Forever book. Like, there just seemed to be like a series of one shots. I guess in that way, they're at least new reader friendly because you can pick up this Avengers 57, never having read an Avengers comic ever before in your whole life and just read it because it doesn't tie into anything. <laughs> that's kind of so in a way it's good but in a way it's bad so i don't know how i feel about it but i will say this the artwork by javier garon like i said is fantastic it is so good um so i mean it was interesting enough i was entertained it was a pretty quick read um i do like the cover which again doesn't have anything to do with the book you got multiple thors you got um captain marvel iron man uh, you do see the soldier supreme there, kind of front and center I, you know, different versions of Iron Fist. And yeah, again, I, I just, I'm not sure what the heck the guy's doing, to be honest with you. So, uh, all right. Anyway, let's move on. Up next, we have, uh, we already talked about that one. Sorry. Uh, Naughty List <laughs> from Aftershock. Uh, issue number three, this is from writer Nick Santora. Lee Ferguson is the artist, Juan Show on colors, and Simon Bolin on letters. What do you think? Well, I like the series. It's fun. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, uh, look at uh, you know Santa. You know who who really is. This one's uh, probably the best one so far because it, he talks about you know some of the uh, mythology with Santa, his elves, and all this stuff. He said that's not real. That's fake. Blah blah blah. He doesn't care. He just tells you the way it is. But we also find out like who is behind taking his nautilus, and uh, we get the backstory of that that that, that creature. And it's like, wow, that's pretty sadistic <laughs> what this thing does. You know, it has that ability to do that. And it's interesting because we know Santa is immortal. But uh, even in this, you know, he says, you know, he's a little creeped out by this guy because, you know, he's ready. He might hurt him. But it's like at the same time, you know, he's immortal. So why is he scared? 
I think the next issue is going to be amazing because at the very end of this um, of the story, we see that it's going to be a face-off because he knows who's behind, you know, uh, taking his naughty list and when they're killing all the people from the naughty list. So I guess the next one's going to be the face-off, but it should be good. Um, the artwork is, is good. The story is just uh, fun. And it's, I guess they didn't put it during Christmas because I guess it would be kind of a downer for some people. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad they put it out there because I just like uh, some of these uh, Twisted Santa stories I have. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have too much to add other than it's just, it's sometimes it's so fun to root for a protagonist that's not, I mean, this, this guy, he's not what you think of when you think of Santa Claus, right? He's not like this great guy who, you know, is just an inspiration. He's not Superman. He's not, he's not. I mean, he inspired the legend of Santa Claus. He's not Santa Claus. You know, he's not, he doesn't have like a heart of gold. He isn't a typical hero. He's just kind of an everyday guy who you, you do sort of, you know, respect what he does. You know, the fact that he makes these toys and gives them out to kids and whatnot. Um, so it's interesting, you know, it's kind of like um, rooting for a bad guy in a way, but he, who somebody who like the ends justify the means, but he gets there in a very, roundabout sort of way so it's it's really really good really impressed with it so all right up next for me i have iron man and hellcat uh, this is iron man annual number one from writer christopher cantwell the art is by ruari coleman colors by triona farrell letters by joe caramagna so this takes place after um tony stark proposed and spoilers not for this book, but spoilers for Iron Man 20 when he did propose and she said, she said no. So she's kind of taking a break. She goes across country to deal with some personal stuff and that's where this starts. Um, and it's a, it's a good self-contained story and it, it feels like very much a part of Cantwell's run. Uh, but what's interesting is at the end in the, uh, the last page, it says, would you like to see more of Patsy? Uh, email us and let us know. So, you know, Cantwell is moving off of Iron Man in a few more issues. So it's kind of seems like Marvel, they, they want to know, like, do fans want to see more of Patsy? Because she wasn't exactly, um, you know, an A-list character. She's never really been an A-list character. She's been a member of the Avengers. Obviously, she started even before Fantastic Four, you know, in the, the fashion comics, the romance comics, Patsy Walker. And they brought her into the regular universe as the superhero. So it's kind of interesting, but Catwell's always obviously been a fan and I like her and Tony together. So I hope whoever comes next on the title keeps her as part of the um, supporting cast. And I, I would love to see Tony married um, to Patsy because I think it would be an interesting dynamic. I don't think it would last forever. Um, and I kind of have a feeling Marvel won't do it just because, you know, they got rid of Peter and MJ's marriage. I don't think they really... They don't subscribe to marrying their, their characters off. So anyway, it is a fun title. It leans into the supernatural roots of Patsy and, and kind of her past. So it works on that level as well. So yeah, definitely recommend it. The art is really solid. And uh, yeah, I thought it was really great. Uh, all right. So we've talked about uh, all these different variants that are going on currently in the Marvel Universe. And there actually is a title called variants i think it's a five or six issue mini it's written by one of my favorite writers gail simone the art is by phil noto the uh, letters are by Corey petite and it stars uh, jessica jones so what do you think well i was uh, on board because i just like jessica jones and uh, she hasn't had her own little mini series or book for a while so i was looking forward to that it's funny because uh you know she's always got some issues going on and this one she still kind of has uh you know uh i guess personal development i guess she's not too sure of herself or if she's doing the right path or you know but she always has one person she goes rely on of course and that's luke there's no spoiler there and you know her her baby but this one's uh interesting i guess she's trying to you know she's on a case at the same time uh we get a guest appearance by another hero that kind of sees her having you know some problems that helps her out um, then ask her for a favor. And then, you know, uh, she's narrating the story, you know, which is kind of cool. Though I like about it. And she's like, oh, this guy is like, oh, you know, she really doesn't want to do it. But, you know, she doesn't anyway. Um, the any, though, for the story is, I guess, what kind of puts it all together. Why it's called variance, because we see other versions of herself, you know, uh, that she she runs into. And one of them was kind of out there because I was like, didn't they already do another 
character like this with as a female. So now we got another one in this in this multiverse. And uh, I don't know. I guess it's fine because you know, like I said, I like the character, but the multiverse. I don't know. I'm getting getting a little tired of it as a as a comic fan because when you pick up the book, like I said, like Avengers, like you want Avengers. I want Captain America. I want Iron Man, but I'm getting something totally different. So it's like um, you know, five bucks for a comic, five bucks for gas. You tell me. Yeah, when you're not even getting what you're expecting to get. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. but I'm enjoying it. I mean, I, I've never read a lot of Jessica Jones. Um, and so, honestly, I, part of the reason I picked up, I ordered a couple different, uh, I think I got like a, the regular cover and I think the B cover and then like one of the ratios. Because um, I figured, you know, with, this whole idea of variants and we're going to get variants of Jessica Jones. So this is going to be the first appearance of some characters. So I'm a little bit specking on it a little bit. Also, I was like, well, it's Gail Simone. So I'm happy to spec on a book that I'm going to read anyway. Like I would have bought one copy just to have, because I buy most of Gail Simone's stuff. So I would have bought it anyway. Um, But based on the fact that there were some first appearances by different variations of Jessica Jones, I went ahead and bought, um, some variants, which I didn't do for Miles and I didn't do for Gwen um, again, because they're not really being done by creators that I'm, you know, huge fans of. So, uh, all right, up next. So um, I'm just going to mention this real briefly because I talked about it last week and what I didn't realize was I didn't get my copy. And then before we started recording, Jay asked me about it. Eight Billion Genies number two from Charles Soule and Ryan Brown. So it it was recalled um, and we don't know why. So I didn't actually get my copy. So depending on what the error is, um, it might be worth money if you have, if you got your issue last week, last week, my comic, my comic shop didn't give it out. Um, didn't sell it, didn't put it in anybody's pull boxes, but I'm sure there's, as always, um, some of them get out there. So if you're curious about 8 billion genies, go, you have to go listen to last week's episode. Um, that being said, it was really, really fun. It, it, it's quickly becoming one of my favorite, favorite series. So definitely go and check it out. Uh, all right. So up next for Jay, She-Hulk it's by writer Ray, uh, Rainbow Rowell. Luca Maresca does the art for this issue. Rico Renzi on colors. Joe Caramagna on letters. What do you think? Oh, um, I think we talked about before we started recording too. It's like uh, I will I absolutely like the character She-Hulk, you know, I, I, I enjoy her backstory and all that, but this is a very slow pace. It's a slow burner. I, I don't know where they're going with the story. I have no idea. I mean, before issues in, we still don't have any clue about, um, uh, who is it? Uh, Jack of Hearts. Jack of Hearts. We have no idea what's going on with that guy. Uh, I guess she's starting some kind of like club where they, you know, uh, release some steam, I guess you can say. And that's how it starts off. Um, Ben's in the cover, so don't spoil it there, but, you know, she talks to Ben, you know, the thing, uh, how to, you know, what's going on with her life and uh, stuff like that. And then she's trying to avoid dealing with superheroes that come with her for legal advice. But that's like the funniest part of the whole book, because, you know, they all show up. They're like, she's like, ah, you know, I can't be doing this, you know, but, uh, you know, they feel safe with her because they know her, which makes sense. And again, it just keeps going. Uh, a lot of dialogue with uh, Jack of Hearts. Uh, he's still trying to figure out stuff. Uh, she gets a little bit of help from another he- hero, like uh, to kind of read her uh, her gamma radiation, and she kind of helps out, gives that to Jack to help him out too. They really still trying to figure it out. Um, they're doing a lot of, you know, they're trying to backtrack his uh, his timeline where he was at and what they what he saw and what might help trigger his memory. But the ending is uh, someone walks up to him and, you know, uh, at this time, uh, she walks in human form, but, you know, someone comes up and says, hey, I've been looking for you, Jack. And she changes. And then, okay, so what's now? So who's this surprise villain or hero that popped out of nowhere, you know? So hopefully it gets a little bit more action because I like when she does a lot of fighting. I know she's supposed to be a lawyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, she walks fun where she, you know, she's at, you know, fighting. Yeah. I wonder how much of this story is being. Again, they say that the other media don't doesn't influence the show. Oh, I'm, sure Rainbow, <laughs> I'm sure Rainbow Rowell is, you know, she's not being told what to write. But sometimes they tell you, like Jed McKay said, yeah, they, they asked me on Moon Knight not to lean into, you know, his multiple personalities. Of course, with the last issue, now that the show's been over for a few months, <laughs> sure enough, Stephen Grant shows up. 
which uh, next time I see Jed, I'm going to have to be like, dude, you told me you weren't going to do that when you did that. What's up with that? Um, but yeah, it, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they said, hey, you know, let's focus on the sort of the more, uh, let's take the focus away from the superhero aspect of She-Hulk. Because in a way, that's been what the focus has been on lately, right? With what Jason Aaron did to, to Jen. Like she didn't really have a, she didn't have her lawyer personality and her friends and the fat, you know, that kind of thing, like walking around, like, like none of the stuff she's doing in this issue, which very much feels like a slice of life issue with a lot of different, you know, storylines with the lawyer stuff and her walking around with Jack trying to solve the mystery of his, you know, resurrection and what's been going on. Like none of that stuff. She was the, you know, kind of the dumb savage Hulk. And so it's almost like now the pendulum swinging back the other way. Um, and so, yeah, it, nothing, <laughs> I, I agree that it's been going a little slow for this mystery. We haven't, I mean, it's fine to, to drag the mystery out or, or to, you know, build up the mystery and build up the suspense and dramatic tension, but we're not even getting any clues. Like we know nothing yet. Like this is issue four. So I, I am still enjoying it. Uh, the art in this issue is really fantastic, but I totally get where Jay's coming from. So. Uh, okay, up next for me, Thor, Lightning, and Lament. This is a one-shot. It's written by Ralph Macchio. The art is by uh, Todd Nock, and it's absolutely amazing. Rochelle Rosenberg, who works with Todd a lot, does the colors, and Joe Sabino does the letters. Um, I got to be honest, I'm not 100% sure why this book exists, other than you know I know we have a Thor movie about to drop, because um, it's a one-shot, but it's set way back when. Um when Thor was still Donald Blake, you know, and he still had that alter ego. So, I, and it doesn't fit in at all to any kind of modern timeline, but it stands on its own and you can just pick it up and read it. And it's, there's even a little kind of mini recap of his origin that takes place over uh, probably two or three. Well, maybe more than that. Let's see. One, two, three. Yeah. Three pages. So, you know, Anybody who goes and sees a Thor movie and has never read a Thor comic and wants to pick it up, it, it will be an easy read and easy to understand, but it doesn't necessarily tie in to anything. Um, and then at the end, it's got an ad saying, follow Thor's current adventures in Thor 27. So again, I, I'm not sure why it exists, but I'm glad it, I'm glad it does. Cause even though I'm not a great big Thor fan, I'm a great big fan of Todd Knox art and he knocks it out of the park. I mean, there's giant battles in Asgard between um, the Asgardian armies and some enemies. And so there's a lot of detail. There's a lot of characters. I imagine Todd must've worked on this for a couple months because the art is, is really fantastic. And there's tons of characters, like all the characters, you know, from the movie, you know, Odin and Loki and Heimdall and Sif and warriors three and, like all those people, they all show up. So um, it's it's just, a, if you're a Thor fan uh, or you're curious about learning more about Thor, hey, let me see what it's like to read a Thor comic. This is a perfect example. So check it out. Uh, all right, up next for Jay. And I, man, I'm so disappointed in myself because I read the first issue and then forgot about the second one. And then the third one came out and I was like, oh, I need to go back and read the second one, but I didn't have time. But it's the Image 30th Anniversary Anthology. This is number three now. So I, I'm, I couldn't read it because I haven't read part two of a lot of these stories because there's a ton of stories in here and a lot of them are continuing. So The Blizzard is part three of 12 by Jeff Johns, on uh, Andrea Muti, and Rob Lee. A, a standalone rumble by John Arcudi and James Heron. Gospel for a New Century. It's actually the final uh, part, part three, by Wyatt Kennedy and Lu, uh, Luana Vecchio. Kea, part three of four by Wes Craig and Jason Wordy. Stupid Fresh Mess by Scott Young and Nate Picos is uh, on part three of 12. Hopeless is on part three of four from Mirka Andolfo, Chiara de Francia, and Fabio Amelia. Red Stitches is on part three of 12 from Brendan Fletcher and Erica Henderson. Shift is on part three of four from Kyle Higgins, Danielle Di Naculo, Walter Biamonte, Katia Ranali and Becca Carey. Uh, Gehenna is on part three of 12 from Patrick Kynlin, Maurizio Rosenweg, and James uh, Campbell. And then finally, we have uh, Billy Dogma on part three of 12 by Dean Haspel. 
So a ton of stories. You don't necessarily have to talk about every one of them, Jay. Just give us a, your overall feeling. And man, I hope I can remember to get caught up on this so I can talk about issue four when it drops next month. <laughs> well, the good thing is they're all pretty short stories. Um, they're, some are really good. Some because the artwork and the, the writer. Uh, like my favorite one is still the blizzard because, you know, it's about prisoners in the bus that are stuck. And this one, you get a little more backstory of, you know, why they're in prison. Uh, the conclusion of the gospel for was a new, was good. Gospel for a new century was really good. Um, shit. I like that a lot because I think it's going to tie in with the whole, uh, uh radiant black, uh, story. Uh, so these, even though they're just anthology and people think, ah, you know, I'm not going to get that. Do yourself a favor and get them because some of those might be keys or might tie in with some of the stories that you do collect. Uh, Billy Dogma is another favorite because it's just uh, black and white, um, you know, a, you know, it's story. And I do like some stories are black and white and this one fits perfect, but uh, it's definitely worth picking up. And like I said, there's a lot of great artists and writers in the, in these books. So it's, it's definitely worth picking up. Yeah. Again, I'm, I'm disappointed that I've, forgot about issue two and then still haven't read it because i want to i want to get caught up on this um because i mean the whole reason this is the the image 30th anniversary anthology it's, it's celebrating what image is best at right just telling this hu huge diverse amount of stories where the sky's the limit and the creators can tell any story they want they're not working with you know known properties you know they're not writing superman or spider-man or batman or uh or, you know, the Incredible Hulk where you have an editor telling you, well, you can't do that. You can't change the character fundamentally because we still have to sell, you know, candy and pajamas and put on our TV shows and movies and whatnot. These char the, these creators, the sky's the limit. They can do whatever they want. That's what Image is all about. So, uh, all right. Up next for me is Obi-Wan. This is number two, Shadow Falls on the Padawan. And again, this... Um, this Obi-Wan series from writer Christopher Cantwell, it has a framing um, around the, the story where Obi-Wan is, he's in his hut or cave or whatever, his dwelling, however you want to call it, on Tatooine. And he's, uh, there's a big sandstorm coming. He's kind of holed up in his dwelling and he's re remembering back. The first issue he was remembering all the way back to his Padawan training or his young Jedi training. I'm not Sorry, I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan, but, you know, when he, when he was very small, uh, you know, he wasn't even a teenager. And this particular issue, he's remembering back to when he was a Padawan and he was teamed up with Qui-Gon Jinn, like we saw in the uh, episode one, Phantom Menace. So this whole story is going to be framed and I maybe will get uh, a modern, more modern tale, um, you know, in the time period of when A New Hope or episode four happened. Um but I don't know that for sure. But what it's doing, what Christopher Campbell is doing is he's providing a lot of context to who Obi-Wan was and why he is the way he is and the training and different adventures. It definitely has a really cool Star Wars feel. Um, I, I can't talk about the story at all without spoiling. So I won't even try other than say, yeah, he's teamed up with Qui-Gon Jinn and they go on a mission to another planet. And it's, it's a heck of a lot of fun. And the art by Luke Ross is done really, really well. Colors by Nolan Woodard are very important to the story. And when you read it, you'll, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, there's kind of some analogs in terms of what Obi's talking about. Obi-Wan's talking about at the beginning when he's talking about the, um, you know, the light side of the force and the dark side of the force, and they go on this mission and those two things, light and dark, uh, take on new meaning. And so when he's talking about shades of light and dark, obviously the color artist is going to be very important. Letters by Joe Caramagna, uh, main cover by Phil Noto. It, it, I mean, it's just fantastic. I'm not, um, haven't been in the past uh, able to keep up with all the Star Wars comics that Marvel's putting out. I, I kind of want to dive in a little more because they're putting out so much of it and so much of it seems like it's really, really good and Star Wars fans are digging it. Um, and I kind of feel like I want to jump on board, but man, I'm behind on all of my Star Wars stuff. I've seen like all the main movies and that's it. Like the main nine. I haven't seen Solo. I haven't seen um any of the tv shows or cartoons or any of that kind of thing so uh might be might be a tough task for me to get caught up at this point but anyway uh last book for jay is public domain this is from writer chip Zdarsky. Now i've already read this um this is in print now but he offered it first to uh, all the members of his sub stack we got like two or three pages at a time for uh a, i guess it was three or four weeks in a row 
to give us a whole story, but he's writing and drawing it. First time he's drawn a book in a long time. Um, and this is chapter one, weren't we the bad guys? So what'd you think, Jay? This is my book of the week because it kind of hits home because uh, being a comic fan, I uh, I kind of I kind of understand where he was going with the story. It focuses on a, a father and son. Um, a son, uh, his father is famous uh, comic you know, writer creator, and um, he's also a writer. But he was like for a newspaper, so he's trying to get away from I guess his father. Uh, his father's like a big star, you know, in the nerd world, I guess you can say. So he's trying to step away from his father's shadow to be his own writer, but somehow he gets stuck back into that world of the comic world. Uh, his father's character is going to make a big movie, you know, and all this. And um, you figure he's going to get like all this, like, you know, royalties, but apparently he's not. So you're like, well, that's not fair. But as you read the story, you find it's more behind the scenes. And then the end of the story is where it kind of tells you that you know what that's 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 not the way it's supposed to be and it's like you know what i kind of understand why he did the story as as a creator and a writer it's like you know i think especially the book's even like 40 or 50 years old it's like if that's your character you created it's like you should have some say or get something for your hard work you know it's like you deserve those royalties i think and that's for me that's, that's my book of the week because i always feel sorry for some of the creators that get screwed you know, and they, they make all these Hollywood movies and TV shows and all that, but do all of them actually get their money? I mean, I mean, maybe today they do, but I feel like in the past, they always got kind of screwed out of that, out of the money. No, they don't. I mean, Rick Remender talked about, um, you know, creating the Winter Soldier and getting nothing other than an end credit. I mean, he didn't get any money, like at all. He's in, you know, he's in the the, the Captain America movies, Falcon and Winter Soldier TV show and he, he got nothing, nothing. That's, so, yeah, see, for yeah. me, it kind of hurts because you know I spend my money because I, I appreciate these guys. It's artwork to me, like you said earlier. Yeah. Like we talked about last week, it's art. The yeah. you know the drawing, the storytelling. I appreciate the storytelling, the artwork, and they should get their does desserts. And if they don't, that's just totally wrong. Yeah, and that's why a lot of creators go the you know creator own route. They're doing stuff at AfterShock or Image or Boom or whatever. Not not at Marvel and DC, which is a shame because, you know, I want some of these creators on, on some of my favorite characters, but I don't blame them for not, for not doing it. Cause yeah, they deserve to be, to get paid. So yeah, it's a very meta book and uh, I do recommend it. Uh, last book I'm going to talk about is called sins of the black flamingo. It's from writer, Andrew Wheeler, gorgeous art by Travis Moore colors by Tamara bond villain letters by Aditya Bidikar. Uh, Travis Moore, a lot of people know his work from Nightwing. Um, it's just a fantastic book. Black Flamingo is basically a thief. He also happens to be gay. Uh, and it's a bit of a flamboyant book, but you think, okay, well, that's not going to work. You talk about being flamboyant and being a thief, but uh, the, main char- <laughs> the main character here comes right out and says that that's not a good way to be, you know? Uh it's like, yeah, I, I, I like the attention, but um, I'm, I'm a thief. It doesn't always work out real well, you know, wanting everybody looking at you when you're, when you're a thief. So uh, he's fully aware of the incongruity of that statement. But uh, there's some supernatural aspects and maybe a little bit of um, superpowers going on or magic. We're not quite sure yet, uh, but it really it hits the ground running with some heists and some uh, establishing some supporting characters. Um, but where this book really shines is in the art. Um, the Travis Moore art is just gorgeous. The colors it's, you know, a very bl- uh, bright flamboyant kind of uh, color palette that Tamara Bondalon uses. So it works on all kinds of levels. So when I first heard about this book, like as soon as I heard about it, I wrote it down on my list of, Hey, I need to reach out to these creators to have them on the show before the book comes out, because I think it's going to be some, something really, really great. And it then I, I totally like never did. It's my own fault. I was, I've just been busy with all the travel and everything. And before I knew it, here's the book being released. I never reached out, but I, I say that just to show that, like, I don't know what it was about it. Maybe it was the Travis Moore main cover that they released with the press release. There was just something about the book that I, I just knew that these creators were pouring their heart and soul into it and it was going to be something special and something to make sure to pay attention to. And uh, the first issue did not disappoint at all. So this is my book of the week. I thought it was just fantastic. Don't sleep on it. It's a, it's a heck of a lot of fun. So check it out. Uh, All right, let's do a rundown on some of the books you might want to be on the lookout for Uh, from aftershock. We have the conclusion of land of the living gods. 
That's issue number five. I haven't read issue four yet, so I didn't get a chance to check out issue five yet. Um, over at Boom Studios, we have the final issue of Seven Secrets, number 18. Also, Berserker, number nine of 12. That's the Keanu Reeves miniseries uh, from DC. And remember, you can hear these on our DC Spotlight. From yesterday, Action Comics, number 1044. Aquaman, number five. Batman Beyond the White Knight, number four of eight. Batman Catwoman, number 12, from writer Tom King and artist Clay Mann, finishes up that maxi series that took almost three years to finish up. Batman Fortress, number two of eight, was our uh, DC book of the week. Both Rocky and I picked perfect mix of some humor and some action and some great Batman character moments. Uh, DC versus Vampire's Killer, number one, one shot. Deathstroke Incorporated number 10, which if you're not familiar with Deathstroke's origin, it's this is basically Deathstroke year one, so you might want to pick that up. Uh, Detective Comics number 1061, Harley Quinn is up to number 16, Robin is up to number 15, Swamp Thing has issue number 14 of 16 out, and then Task Force Z issue 9 of 12 came out yesterday. Uh, over at Image, in addition to the books we talked about, Department of Truth number 19 which is sort of a catch-up issue and has a big bombshell uh, at the end. Scorched number seven from the spawn corner of uh, the image universe. And what's the furthest place from here from Matthew Rosenberg returns for its second arc with issue number seven uh, from Marvel. We've got Captain America symbol of truth number two. Uh, and I still, I'm still, I've said this before. I'm not a big fan of having multiple characters in the same universe with the same name. I don't like that there's three Batgirls. I don't like that there's two Batmen right now. I don't like that there's two Captain Americas or two Spider-Men. Like, give them their own names. Uh, when I'm reading this, so the, the Symbol of Truth uh, series is the one where Sam Wilson is Captain America. Uh, but when I'm, but he also has this, there's a new Falcon that's a sidekick. But when I'm reading it and other characters are talking uh, about Falcon, I keep thinking in my mind that's Sam Wilson. Like I, too many decades of reading Sam Wilson as Falcon, I can't get it out of my head. Like, wait, they're talking about this other guy when they say Falcon, not not Sam Wilson. So I don't know. It's not. I just I need to wrap my brain around. It. It's not that I don't think that a person of color deserves to be Captain America. That's fine if you want Sam Wilson to be Captain America. Then Steve Rogers needs to go and be somebody else or not be Captain America. But having both of them, it just I don't know. It just bugs me having two characters with the same name at the same time. Anyway, uh, let me get off my soapbox. There's a uh, Marvel Voices Pride issue, number one, one shot that's celebrating Pride Month. Uh, there's also the new Fantastic Four, number one, which I wanted to read but didn't have time. And that's basically that, uh, that Fantastic Four team from the mid-90s that was Spider-Man, Ghost Rider, the Gray Hulk, and... Who was the Wolverine Wolverine? Yeah. Uh, they're all back and it sounds like a heck of a lot of fun. So I want to check it out. Um, and there's a gorgeous one in 100 Arthur Adams hidden gem variant that I wanted to get, but I just couldn't justify spending well over a hundred dollars for that, but it's an awesome cover. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. Star Wars, Darth Vader number 24 is out. Star Wars Dr. Afra number 21 is also out. And then over in the X-Men corner of the Marvel Universe, we have Excellent number four, X-Force number 29, and X-Men Red number four. Also, I want to mention from Opus Comics, Crystal Planet, which is written by Joe Satteriani, who is a very well-known guitar player. And I have no idea what it's about, but I picked it up. He, and uh, Joe does one of the covers. Uh, Satriani, I think is how you say his name. I think I said it wrong before, but yeah, very curious about, uh, about that. I couldn't get the Satriani cover cause it was, yeah, it was expensive, but I picked up the one in 10 and the regular, uh, the one in 10 is an action figure, uh, variant. So I picked up that and I picked up the, the regular cover as well. It looks really interesting. So we'll see how that all plays out. And I think, the, oh, uh, I have to also mention, I haven't got a chance to read this yet, but Vault Comics Mindset Number 1 from friend of the show, Zach Kaplan. Zach was on to discuss it way back when, before much was um, kind of released about what it's going to be about. We know kind of the bare bones, these college graduates, um, sort of uh, idealists, decide that technology has become too much a part of 
people's lives and they, they create this app that's supposed to like separate us and Zen people out and separate us from technology. It has actually the opposite effect and what they do with that power. So uh, if anybody's read Zach stuff before, you know, he, he really leans into the kind of futuristic sci-fi and technology and whatnot. So I'm really looking forward to getting my copy of that and, uh, and reading it. So uh, yeah, that's it. What do you got, Jay? Uh, from AWA, got Hit Me number four of five. Uh, it's been a fun book. Uh, writers, uh, Christophos, artist uh, Priscilla Petrates. I'm probably saying her name wrong. Um, and then from uh, Source Point Press, we got a Good Boy number two. Uh, that's pretty much John Wick's dog being John Wick instead of, you know, reverse roles. <laughs> and then uh, the last one is Action Lab, Action Lab Comics. Uh, it's Hamlet number one. Uh, the reason I'm after that one is because it's for the uh, Dell's become psychotic and they kill all the children. So the kids are on the run. So it's like, instead of the kids being the killers, it's the parents, you know, adults going after the kids. Uh, the writer is Cristanio Tamante and Francisco Zapardino and artist is uh, Ricardo, Ricardo uh, Friana. So that one just caught my eye. Cause I just seems, I like horror books and that just caught my eye. <laughs> all right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode, everybody. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. We appreciate you joining as always. Uh, don't forget my book of the week is black flamingo. Uh, Jay picked public domain. They're both very much worth your time. So get out there, read some comics. And uh, as always, thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. Happy 4th of July. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time.